I want to thank all of you for being here tonight. Thank you for taking your time to get you and your families ready. I know it's been hot days and sometimes the sun kind of saps us, but I'm glad that you're all here and I thank you for being here. Now, what I want to do real quick is I just want to remind you that tonight we're going to start our summer series, Sounds of the Psalms, and I'm really excited about that. And I want to say, even though Brother David Grigsby is not here, he's a big reason why we're doing this and helping compile material. And so, Brother David, if you're watching tonight, thank you. I want to give a big shout out to you. And he thought that it would be nice if we gave a very nice Bible that has all of the Psalms in it. And I really like that idea. And then when you open it up, on the other side is where you can make some notes. So we're going to give this away tonight. And what I need you to do now is I need you to look and see if you have a bookmark and it's got a star, a red star on the back of your bookmark. That's what I need you to look. I need everybody to look and see if you've got a red star on the back. Sister Pruitt, you got it? All right, you're the winner. Come up here, sis. That's wonderful. This is a beautiful book, and it says, Thank you for your love and dedication to God and His Word. We pray this book of Psalm is a blessing throughout your journey, given to you by TPC June 8th. We love you, and that's wonderful. You're going to enjoy that. That is a great gift. Now, here's the next thing I want you to do. You have a little pamphlet, okay? This is a little thicker than your handout. It's a little pamphlet. What I want you to do is get it now, if you will. And again, this is put together and compiled by Brother David, and I do appreciate this. This is really cool material. What I really like about this, Psalms is an overview, okay? So you see where it says title? That's going to give you some information there. And then on number two, arrangement, authorship, dates, and features. You see all that? This is some really cool information. Then you turn to page three. It's Hebrew poetry, parallelism. It's talking about different rhyming words and different features of the psalm. And then on page four, it goes to figures of speech. And then number C, it goes to acrostis. And then number on page five is themes, character of God, kingdom of God. All right, so you got, the, you got the thing, right? And then on the back, you don't have a pamphlet? Okay, we need, over here, need some pamphlets. We need you to have pamphlets. We want you to have not just the handout, we want you to have pamphlets. Okay? So they're coming. Because I want you to have them. Because this is important. Sister Sissy and I were talking today that we really like these handouts. And the reason we like these handouts is because you may not need this message tonight. But if you'll keep it in your Bible, the day may come when this message will really speak to you. And you'll be like, oh, you know what? I think I got those notes in the back of my Bible. And here's what I do, Sister June, with mine, is I open it back up and it will remind me of something. 
And the more I get it from my head to the, my heart, the more it becomes a part of me. And so then if I'm needing to help someone, I just ask God, God, bring back to my remembrance, Lord, what I need to remember. And stuff starts coming back to me because I've put it in my head. All right. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you have a pamphlet, everybody have a pamphlet? No, we still need some pamphlets over here in the right corner. I want everybody to have a pamphlet. You're going to find this information very interesting. So what I want you to do is I want you to take the pamphlet and on this series, you can look at that. And then how many of you have a bookmark? All of you got a bookmark? Okay, so here's what I want you to do with the bookmark. I want you to take it and as you are reading the psalm, I want you to ask these questions. How can I praise God in this text? See that? The next one, how can I examine my heart on the basis of this text? Is there something here God is calling me to repent of? And then how do I pray the words of the text? What is speaking to me for today in this text? And then where do I see Jesus in this text? This is not only good for the Psalms. This is good as you read the scriptures. Can I get a witness and ask yourselves these questions? Okay. Everybody now have a bookmark. Have a bookmark. Boy, Sister Barry, she just missed out all the way around. That's not even fair. This whole section. We're going to get you guys fixed up. We want to make sure you're good. Okay? So what you're going to have tonight is three different things. You're going to have a pamphlet explaining the Psalms. You're going to have a bookmark so you can ask questions about the Psalms. And then tonight you're going to get a handout based off of Psalm 1. All right? Are you ready? Okay. Now, what's going to come up on the screen is Psalm 1, verses 1 through 6. I'm reading from the ESV. And if you want to follow along, you should have on the back of your handout now the whole Scripture. Okay? So if you will get your handout, it's not on the pamphlet, it's on the handout. You can follow along with me. You ready? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. If you're with me, say amen. amen. Let's keep going. Verse 3, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Verse 4, The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Verse 5, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Verse 6, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked 
will perish. Okay? Everybody good? Everybody have your bookmark, your pamphlet, and then now your handout. Okay? Everybody? All right. Now what I want you to do is I want you to just leave your pamphlet alone. Please don't look at it till you go home. But follow with me in your handout. Let's go. God bless you. You can be seated. How many know that we live in a day where people will even gripe about having to wait in line at the drive through How many knows that most of us don't like to wait, myself included? How many also understand that we are living in a day where we all like the microwave? But you got to understand something about God. God is not necessarily into the microwave. He is into us marinating and meditating in his word. Can I get a witness? And so in this culture that we live in, this culture is not real fond of deep roots. But what Psalm 1 is talking about is it is talking really about a person that if you want to be righteous, then what's going to happen is, is you're going to be committed. You're going to have deep roots and you're going to be a person that reproduces. Can I get a witness? So it's saying that a righteous person bears fruit that benefits others. And that a wicked person, they're like chaff that the wind just drives away. Now here's why Psalm 1 is important. It's because it is letting us know that when you're righteous, God looks at a righteous man or woman as someone who bears fruit. And God looks at the wicked as a person that does not benefit other people. Now, why is this important? Here's why it's important. Because in the New Testament, I do not find where a disciple of Jesus Christ is known by their spiritual gifts. Now, we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit... And we need the gifts of the Spirit. But nowhere in Scripture do I find that our spirituality is gauged by how often we speak with tongues. What I see in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, he is saying that if you are going to be the way of the righteous... And if you are going to be my disciple, then you shall know them by their fruit. Now, please do not walk out of here and misconstrue what I just said. I speak in tongues often. I'm, I want to constantly be full of the Holy Spirit. I love the gifts of the Spirit, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the gift of faith, the gift of healing. I love all of it and we need it. 
But when you go especially to the Gospels, you will find that God was constantly saying, you will know them not by their gifts, but you will know them by their fruit. Can I get a witness? This is what Psalm 1 is telling us. It is telling us that as a believer, we are called to maturity, we are called to a commitment, and we are called to reproduce. I like what one author wrote, and I think it's in your notes. One author wrote this, discipleship is long obedience in the same direction. How many know what that's talking about? You just get up again and you obey again today. And you walk according to his word on Monday. Then you wake up, you go back to the cross on Tuesday. You die to your flesh and you walk according to the word of God again on Tuesday. And you rinse and repeat. And that is discipleship. Now, the challenge is, is that most Christians have exchanged discipleship for religious tourism. Oh, come on. I could just park right there. It's kind of, I'm going to just jump from here and I'm going to run over and see this. And then if this one has a word, I'm going over there. I'm not against going to places. I'm not against getting a different word. I'm not against hearing different speakers. But what I am for is that we all get planted so that we can bear forth fruit. Can I get a witness? The Bible says that the righteous are like wheat. Why? Because wheat nourishes, but chaff does not benefit anyone. So what is chaff, pastor? Well, the chaff is the husk or the skin that surrounds the wheat. And when they thresh the wheat, the farmers, what they would do is, is they would take this wheat in a basket and they would thresh it. And as they threshed it, then they would throw it up in the air and the wind would remove the chaff. Just a soft breeze can remove the chaff. Just, it just blows it away. But the wheat, because it had more weight, would fall back down into the basket and they would keep doing that until all of the chaff was blown away and it only remained wheat. What the scripture is saying that is chaff does not benefit and it's easily blown away. But when you're weak, you got some weight to you. And when you're righteous, you plant yourself because a planted tree can handle the storm, but a tumbleweed just goes wherever the wind blows it. To, to all of us, I'm preaching to all of us, but... I just want to address all of our Celebrate Recovery and Hope House. Brothers and sisters, what, what most people do is most people just walk in circles. And because they walk in circles and they never get planted, some people say, well, I'm just here for a season. And y'all got to understand, if I took any tree, the healthiest tree, and I planted it for six months and then uprooted it and said, I think I'm going to like it better over here. And then planted it there and left it for six months and said, I think it's going to be better in my backyard. And then after a while, I, I said, no, I don't like it there either. I'm going I'm to uproot it and I'm going to plant it back out in the pasture. 
that tree is not going to survive. It doesn't matter how healthy the tree is. It's not going to survive. And what God is saying in Psalm 1 through the writer of David is saying that we as righteous people, we get planted. Where do we get planted? We get planted by the streams of living water. When you plant a new tree, it needs water. It can't do without water. But when you plant a tree by the stream and it gets some roots, even in the dry season, it still has access to water. Even though it probably likes some rain, it doesn't have to rain on it because its roots go deep enough to access the water even in the dry seasons. What I'm talking about tonight is that when we're righteous, we're going to be planted by the streams of living water that bring forth its fruit in its season. Are you with me? Can I keep preaching? Okay. Now, look at verse 3 again, if you will. It yields its fruit... In its season and its leaf does not wither. God, I want you to look at your notes here. God does not want us just to be a hollow person. He wants us to have some substance. He wants us to be people of stability rather than just being blown about by circumstances or or as the scripture says, every wind of doctrine. You need to settle in your mind what you believe. According to the scripture, I believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. According to the scripture, I believe that he shed his blood for the forgiveness of my sins. The water washes my sins and the Holy Spirit empowers me over sin. Amen. I believe in one Lord, one faith, one baptism. What are you saying? You need to put your roots down deep into the Word of God so that every preacher that comes on TV, you're not swayed to the left or to the right, but you know what you believe. Can I get a witness? So why do I need to know that? So that we become people who grow even in barren times. Why? Because our roots go deep. See, many people read Psalm 1 and they naively claim that basically God says this, good fortune for good behavior. If you behave well, everything is going to go fine in your life. And I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, that is not what this scripture is saying. I don't want to put anybody on blast, but I am in a sense. The reason why that Johnny and Cherie are still here after a horrible tragedy is because for years their roots have gone down deep. The reason that Larry and Nelwyn are still here after a horrible tragedy is because their roots go down deep. 
Brothers and sisters, I want to look all of you in the eye and tell you I love you, but I would be lying to you if I told you when you get Christ, everything else from here on out is a better roses. What I'm telling you is this. You can be doing good today and you can be really down this time next week. Because life is not fair and even though we are Christians, we live in a broken world. It's a broken, it's a broken environment. It's broken hearts. It's broken lives. It's broken relationships. And if you and I do not allow our roots to go down deep into the word of God, life can seemingly overtake us. Does this make sense? Now see, here's the good thing. He says this, go back to verse 3. He's like a tree planted by the streams that yield its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither in all that it does, it prospers. I want you to get this. All trees go through winter. This passage is not saying that this tree produces fruit 12 months out of the year. That's not what it's saying. It says it's going to bring fruit in its season. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Here's what I mean. There are seasons in your life that you don't feel alive. You don't feel like you are really doing a lot of good. You, you don't feel on top, so to speak. In other words, if you just look at your life, you feel like, man, I'm just barren. Here's what I want to talk to us about for just a minute. When you're in that season of life, I want to encourage you that a tree that is planted does not stop growing. It may not be bearing fruit, on the outside, but during the winter, its bark is getting stronger and its roots are growing deeper because even when you're in winter, even if you're not fruitful, you're still favored. I, I want to say that again. Even when I'm not producing fruit, I'm still favored. How do I know that? Because the scripture goes back, Psalm 1, blessed is the man. Blessed is the man that does what? He stays planted. And even in the season when he don't feel like he's producing, even in the season when he feels like he's barren, even in the season when he don't feel like God is doing much, what is happening? In due season, you shall reap if you faint not. So you just, you just, Keep coming to church. You keep coming to Bible study. You keep going and keep doing. Why? Because my roots are going down deeper. So that when I come into my season, my fruit is going to be better. It's going to be bigger. And it's going to be more flavorful. Uh, here's a little trivia for you. Trivia buffs. Did you know that under the Mosaic Law... Under the Mosaic Law, you cannot partake of a fruit tree for the first three years. Could not eat its fruit. And then the fourth year, the tree was considered God's tree. And you cannot eat fruit tree under the Mosaic Law until the fifth year. Why? Because he wanted the fruit to have taste and to be good and to be healthy. It takes a while. 
I, I, want, I want to speak again to celebrate recovery in Hope House. Listen, it takes a while to get planted. You don't become a Sister June in three months. <laughs> you become a Sister June in 60 years. <laughs> right? And we want instant fruit. Here, here's what this culture likes. We like artificial flavors. Microwaves. Man, my God, this takes so long. God's not into artificial flavors. He's into good fruit. And good fruit takes time. Under the Mosaic Law, you couldn't eat the fruit for five years. And fruit trees were so valuable that even in the times of bitterest wars, they would try to protect their fruit trees. That's how valuable they were. So God looks at you as a tree of value and you say, right now, I don't feel like I'm doing anything. You still have favor because you're God's child. And you may be in a season of winter, but you just keep living. You keep growing and you're going to come out and your ladder's going to be greater. Oh, I wish I had a witness. Here's what I've learned about God. I've learned that God is into small beginnings. That's why he says, despise not the day of small beginnings, but he's really into big finishes. Because when he got, when he got, when he got through blessing Job, he blessed him double. When he got through blessing Joseph, he was ending up as the second in command. When God gets through with your life, you're going to look back and you're going to say, I understand now. I had to go through that so I could handle this. I understand now God had to make sure I could pay $10 on a hundred before he could trust me to pay a hundred on a thousand. And then God had to trust me to pay a hundred on a thousand before I, he could trust me to pay a thousand on 10,000. Does that make sense? All right, can we keep going? Here's what your notes say. The prerequisite to blessing is abiding. Can we say that again? The prerequisite to blessing is abiding. What did Jesus say? Go back to your notes. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. What does that mean? I can just ask for anything? No. It means when I know His Word, I know His will. And the more I know His Word, the more I know His will. The more I know His Word, the more I know His will. Then the more I can speak His Word because I know His will. And then I can see it activated and see things happen in my life. This is not talking about, God, I need a new 30-30 Winchester. God, I need a, a new side-by-side. -side. That's not what it's referring to. It's referring to if you will abide in Him and His Word abide in you, then you will know God's mind because you've read God's Word. And then when it's, your faith is activated, you speak it, and then you'll see it happen. Does that make sense? Abiding is a lifestyle of discipleship. Here's a recent survey. I don't think this is in your notes, but of churchgoers in America... Here's what it said. This was done by Living Way, I believe, which is uh, they produce a lot of books, a lot of Bibles. I think they're bookstores. They did this survey, and here's what they found out about churchgoers in America. Only 19% of Christian Americans read their Bible every day. 
14% read their Bible once a week. 22% said once a month. And 18% said rarely or never. I would encourage you, read your Bible. Let it marinate. Have a time where you read your Bible. You say, Pastor, I got to get up early. Why don't you get up just 15 or 10 minutes earlier than that so you can have some quiet time and read a devotion? Other words, if we don't, we're going to be like chaff. And when the storms come, and they will come, it'll blow you away. But if you put your roots down deep into the soil of truth, then you're going to abide. There's another psalm that I want to read. I think it's in your notes, Psalm 92. It says, The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Verse 13, They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish. Everybody say flourish. They flourish in the courts of our God. Listen to this. They still bear fruit in old age. And they are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. That word flourish there, it means this. We succeed. It means we thrive. We increase. We prosper. We blossom when we're planted. Say planted. When we're planted in the house of the Lord. The word flourish in the Hebrew means this. To break forth in abundance. If we want abundance, we stay planted. If we want to prosper, we have to plant ourselves. Can I get a witness? Now, how do I know, Pastor, if I'm fully planted in the house of God? Well, in your notes, here we go. We serve wholeheartedly. You want to know if you're planted in the house of God, we serve wholeheartedly. You must understand this about the kingdom of God. It is an inverted kingdom. Okay. It is an inverted kingdom. What do you mean by that? In our culture, we have self on the top. And we have serving on the bottom. In God's culture, it's just the opposite. He has serving on top and self on the bottom. How do I know if I am planted in the kingdom of God when I'm thinking about others more than I'm thinking about myself? Here's what you must understand if you're going to get the way God thinks. He doesn't see the most important person as a premier, as a chancellor, as the president. He sees the most important person as a person who will serve. Can I get a witness? Now, do you know what makes our Sunday morning services successful? I'll tell you. There are a number of volunteers and it starts with the men on the golf carts and the men on our parking lot team and then it goes to our greeters and then it goes to our ushers and it goes to our cleaning staff. When you come in here, you don't have paper wrappers all over the building. There's not trash. Tracy does a very good job. Thank you, Tracy, for keeping 
God's house clean. We appreciate you. Then it goes to our media, so you can sing the words on the screen. It goes to lights. It goes to sound, so you can hear us. It goes to singers. It goes to musicians. All of our men and women who teach our Sunday school. Then our treasurer, our secretary, our security. And just there's there's probably literally 60, maybe 70 people that are serving on a Sunday morning so that our guests can walk into this house, have air conditioning on. People are praying for this service. People are worshiping. And so many people have to be in their place so that one Sunday can be successful. And this is why God doesn't want us to come and just sit and soak and hear another sermon. God wants every one of us serving in some capacity, in some way, because you know what? Nothing makes you feel better than when you're giving of yourself to help someone else. Come on, somebody. It just so happens that God has given me a gift to teach. And I love it. I love, love, love to teach, preach, to pastor, to help people. Nothing makes me feel better. That's why people say, I don't want to bother you. I say, don't tell that. Don't say that to me. People don't bother me. Of course, we all get tired, right? Sure. But for the most part, people do not bother me because God gives me the grace for what he's called me to do. Now listen, I feel great when you come up and say, Pastor, that word added value to my life. I'm like, thank God. I live for that. Now, you have a gift that is just important as my gift. And when you give it away and somebody says, thank you, I needed that. Guess what? It makes you feel on cloud nine because God has gifted each and every one of us to be of service for the kingdom of God. And when you're using your gift, you are feeling fulfilled. So we go back to number one. How do we know if we're planted in and the house of God, well, we serve wholeheartedly. How do I also know that? Well, we know when we give biblically. You look at the way a person spends their money. You just go through a person's checkbook. Look at their credit card. Just, just look. And you're going to see their priorities. Giving biblically means God is looking for our first fruits. Tithing is saying to God, I value your eternal kingdom more than my little personal kingdom. I want to give God my first fruits. See, brothers and sisters, from God's perspective, it's not about our money. He doesn't need our offering to stay afloat. The scripture says that the earth is his and the fullness thereof. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The silver and the gold is his. Then you say, pastor, then why do I need to give? Because when you give, it is showing a condition of your heart to God. 
And this is how we finance the kingdom and the gospel. And we keep the gospel going around the world because we believe in the kingdom of God. And when we believe in something, we're going to invest in it. Can I get a witness? I promise to the good Lord, I am not after your money. I'm not after it. What I am after is for you to get the results that God says you can have, but we can't do it the world's way and get God's results. You're not going to offend me if you don't give $1 to this church because it's not mine anyway, it's His. Can I get a witness? But what I'm saying is you want to prosper and you want to be blessed, then guess what? You're going to give biblically. Can I get a witness? See, if our hearts are not sold out to Him, then He is limited what He can do through us. Okay. So our money and how we spend it and how we give it is simply a reflection of the state of our heart. And if the Lord is truly important to us and our church is truly important to us, we'll get financially involved in the work and in the mission of the church. So here's how I know if I'm planted in the kingdom. Number one, we serve wholeheartedly. Number two, we give biblically. And then thirdly, we attend consistently. I want you to get this. God's purpose in the world was fulfilled through Abraham's descendants, not through Abraham alone. I'm going to say that again. God's purpose in the world was not just fulfilled through Abraham alone, but through his descendants. What are you saying? One man can give birth to something great. But by himself, one man can never take a great idea to its full potential. This is why I've brought alongside me Brother David Grigsby. Because he's really good at systems. And I understand that if we're going to be averaging 600 people by 2030, we can't do what we've always done. Because if we always do what we've always done, we're going to always get what we've always gotten. And I'm not good enough, fast enough, smart enough, educated enough to do it by myself. This is why I bring men in here because it is the five-fold ministry that perfects the church, not the one-fold ministry. We all need to understand the value of a team. We get the concept when it comes to sports. We understand the pitcher can't play first base and he can't play outfield at the same time. We understand the quarterback can't be the linebacker. We understand soccer. We understand sports, but we haven't got that revelation when it comes to the church. Brothers and sisters, we need the revelation that we need one another because every one of us bring different gifts, talents, and abilities to the table. And it's one way of God keeping you humble to let you know that as good as you think you are, you can't do it by yourself. 
And until you and I get honest and quit trying to do this by ourselves and get some people on our front row and get accountable to some people, we're going to keep falling, we're going to keep falling, and we're going to keep falling. Because the scripture says that a twofold cord is strong and a threefold cord is not easily broken. What are you saying? I'm saying you need somebody because eventually life is going to blow you down. And again, I'm not trying to put Cherie and Johnny on a blast, but you know what? I wonder where they would be if, number one, they hadn't planted themselves, and then, number two, I wonder where they would be without this church. Because this church has come alongside them. Why? Because life gave them a blow. It was a storm that could literally wreck you. But when you have somebody that says, come on, I'm praying for you when you can't pray for yourself. I'm going to help you when you can't even feel like you can help yourself. I'm going to text you and call you every day and send you scriptures and say, this too shall pass. Come on, you can make it. You can get through it. In other words, we need the body, loving the body, serving the body, bearing one another's burdens. Can I get a witness? We need each other. Yes, we do. All right. So here, number three, I got to I got to hurry. We attend consistently. What are you saying? I'm, I'm going back to this. We keep coming to church because we are carrying someone's miracle. We are carrying someone's encouragement. We are carrying someone's blessing. We are carrying someone's smile. And I know this is hard to believe. But brothers and sisters, the fact of the matter is when we come to church, we don't need to get ready. We need to be ready. Because when the wind of the Spirit blows, we need to be able to lay a hand on a shoulder and say, in the name of Jesus, I speak health and healing over your spirit, soul, and body. Because one man can't touch three or four hundred people. But if we are operating in the Spirit and if we're full of the Spirit, then guess what? 400 people can be touched pretty quickly. Can I get a witness? But if you're not here, then TPC misses out on your gifts, your talents, and your abilities. And for this reason, and I'm hurrying, Paul says we are part of a holy nation. We are members of his household in Ephesians, he says that. And this explains why the writer of Hebrews told the early Christians that they should be committed to the practice of assembling themselves. What are you saying? I'm saying that it's very important that we keep coming to the house of God. And we need to keep coming until we cannot come. And I pray that day never happens. But there, hey, I love online, but y'all all know that there's just a difference when you walk into this house versus online. There just is. And I love online and I appreciate that we have the ability to do that for whomever, whenever they need it. But there is a spirit and an anointing that is in this house that sometimes doesn't transpose 
into your living room. And we need you in this house. A number of people are gone tonight to camps. A number of people have started their vacations. A number of people are here and there, and that's fine. We, we all want to take vacations, and we enjoy camps. That's not what I'm referring to. But I'm referring to, well, I just don't feel like it. Listen, just because you don't feel like it doesn't mean that you don't need to get your Easter keister up and be in the house of God. All right, I'm going to stay here right here for just a minute. There's been times I've come to church and I'm just tired. I'm just wore out emotionally. And I just come and I say, you know what, Janet? I'm just, look, I'm going to go in, you know, and as soon as church is over, I'm out. I'm tired. Okay, no problem. You take your car, I'll take mine. Come in. The presence of the Lord refreshes me. At the end of service, I'm high-fiving people, fist-bumping. How you doing? Janet looks at me. I thought you were going home. I'm okay. I'm better. Why? Because in the presence of the Lord, He restores my soul. Y'all know what I'm talking about. So that's why we got to keep coming. Keep coming. Keep letting your roots grow deeper. Would you stand with me? Number four, for those of you that can't stand to leave a blank empty. We invite others. That's what we do. We invite others. How many of you, how many of you, have you ever been to a great restaurant? Like a really good restaurant? And after you were done, what did you do? What'd you do? What'd you do, Jason? You relaxed after a great restaurant. Well, that's a good thing to do. You know what I've done after a great restaurant? I'm like, Jason, you need to try this restaurant. Is it good? What? I wouldn't be calling you if it wasn't good. Well, yeah, it's good. You need to go. What if you go to a nice vacation spot? Oh, my goodness. Aaron. Man, I went to this, this, this place. You need to go, man. You know what? If you feel like that this place has ever added value to you, you know what you need to do? You need to invite others. Because if this house has added value to you, there's a good chance it may add value to someone else. Most people, most people don't come to church because they don't have a close relationship that just simply invites them. Invite others. Say, Pastor, where are we going to put them? (laughs) Well, that is a good question. But you know what? We can put out some chairs. We can put them in the hobby room. We'll make room. God loves a full house. I want to leave you with this. As I wrap it up, God wants us to be planted with deep roots so that our leaf never withers. It means we're an evergreen. And in our season, we bear fruit. 
And I got this revelation from Brother A.J. Holloway. And I'm going to share it with you. He said, Pastor, how did Jesus do spiritual warfare? I said, you tell me. He said, he defeated the devil through the fruit of the Spirit. He didn't rebuke the devil while he was on the cross. He didn't heal anyone, but he healed everyone. He didn't forgive anyone, but he forgave everyone. I'm going to show you real quickly the nine fruit of the Spirit that Jesus on the cross produced. The Bible says on the tree. The tree, His tree was the cross. And on that tree, He bore all nine fruit of the Spirit. And it changed the world. Here's the fruit of love. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Here's the fruit of joy. For the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross, despising the shame. Here is the next fruit. I want to give all of these to you real quick. Peace. The Bible says this. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace. Patience with humanity. He never gave up on any one of us. Kindness. God's kind, Jesus' kindness saved us from God's wrath. His goodness healed us of all of our sicknesses and our diseases. His faithfulness to the Father's will, He walked in divine and perfect obedience. And His gentleness when He was in Pilate's hall, He didn't scream or shout to defend Himself, but like a lamb was led to the slaughter, He opened not His mouth. How do you fight the devil? This is what Jesus says. If you live by the sword, you die by the sword. But if you'll bear the fruit of the Spirit, you can defeat the enemy and you can help change your world. This is the only kingdom I know that fights with fruit. This is why God wants us to be a Psalm 1 man and a Psalm 1 lady. Blessed. (laughs) Blessed is the man or the woman who stays planted in the house of God. And even when it looks like their life is barren, their roots are growing deeper. And when their time of fruitfulness comes in, See, a tree does not bear fruit for itself. It bears fruit for others. I'm going to tell you, brothers and sisters, if we can get that revelation that my love is not for me, my love is for you. And your love is not for you, your love is for me. I'm going to give you one last one. I think the greatest fruit that I see of Jesus on the tree was self-control. I think it's right next to the love. Because don't you know 
as God in the flesh. You know how we are when we get mad. We just want to zap people. I know y'all ain't that holy. You hadn't arrived yet. I know better than that. Huh. Yes, we do. You know, Sister June, why he was hanging on the cross and they were reviling him and making fun of him. The Bible says that they took a reed and they beat him over his head and they spit in his face and they plucked his beard. And they said, hey, we're going to hit you. Now prophesy and tell us who hit you. Come on, if you're the God that you say you are, prophesy. You saved yourself. Why don't you save others? And his self-control said, if you only knew, I could call 72,000 angels and I could literally obliterate you to nothing. But I'm not going to do it. Because my fruit is what's going to change the world. Oh my God. Father, Lord, we, we want revelation. We, we, we want, Lord, the antidote to the many things that are facing this world today. And I believe they can be found, much of it can be found in the Psalms. And we're going to go through a summer series of sounds of the Psalms. And God, I pray that it would just cause our roots to go deeper. God, that we would get a revelation of the power of the fruit of the Spirit to destroy demonic powers and to change the world around us. The way we fight is through the fruit of the Spirit. And God, I thank you for this word. Pray that you would take it and use it and let it bear forth much fruit in due season. And everybody say amen. Amen. Do you receive God's word tonight? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to go this long. But again, I love what I do. And I love you. And I pray you have a blessed week. Take these pamphlets, look them over, study this material. Let your roots grow down deep. Let's bear fruit. Let's see this community change through the power of the Spirit of God. God bless you. You've been a great audience. I love you. Thank you for your time. Turn around and give some love away.